Hello and welcome to the Hardy Boys Unofficial Fan Podcast. Joining me today on the podcast is Bruce Whitehill. He is the author of book number 17 in the Hardy Boys Case Files series entitled The Number File. Bruce, could you introduce yourself to the audience and describe your career? I would say that I'm a writer, game inventor, but I've been involved in a lot of different kinds of activities, different projects and so forth. But those two areas seem to come up the most, whether it's uh, writing books or magazine articles or texts for people, or whether it's uh, inventing games or collecting games or writing about the history of games. So that's a theme that runs through my life. Between games and writing, which one came first or were they, did they both start at the same time? I guess I was writing as a, as a student before I got into games. Games didn't come until I was already at, uh, after university. And when you say games, is this you know, any type of game or is there a specific genre that you've been most prolific in? Uh, no, not really. I do board games, card games, uh, and do history of all American games of all types. And on the and on the writing side, you said you've written magazine articles and and other things. Is there a genre that fits in there too, or are you? It mostly comes down to board games, since there are, there are more of them uh, to write about, and they are they're different enough that you always have new material to say. A card game is. Still the same implements, but using different uh, methods of how to put these implements together. You wrote the book, uh, The Number File, in the 80s, but that wasn't your first writing of... Mystery stuff. Yeah, so it wasn't your first first mystery thing you'd written. So how did you sort of get into that, just sort of writing mysteries? I don't know. I just got an interest in in the idea of um, doing a mystery for mystery dinner theater, public performances, where I wouldn't have to write a whole story, a whole book. I would just have to write the bits and pieces and let uh, a group of other people, the actors, bring out the information that I gave them at the right time to make an interesting story with live characters. And so it began with that. And it was only after that that I actually started writing stories such as The Hardy Boys. So when you're writing for like a mystery dinner theater and stuff, is that, does the mystery ever change or is it sort of a different feel every performance because the actors give different sides to the story or is it pretty much always the same thing? The way I set it up, which is different from a lot of the other mystery groups is that uh, two things. One, it's always the same. There's one and only one solution. All the evidence will point to the one solution. The, The approach to the mystery dinner theater is not only that uh, it has the same ending. If you were to take the storyline and give everybody the clues in order, clue one, two, three, four, five, immediately they would know the the answer. What's interesting is how you bring out the clues at different times during the evening. And it's for the audience to try to get that one, two, three, four, five. Oh yeah, it must be this. So that's, one approach that I use. The second thing is all my mysteries are done real time in real place. 
So it's as though a mystery, a murder has happened that evening, or if it happened a little earlier, a few days ago, the police are just getting information and they are there to question people who happen to be at this dinner. So the real time and place aspect is much different from the groups that use costume dramas, period pieces, and so forth. If the audience got one, two, three, four, five, they'd figure it out. So your method of, of creating the mystery is to take a relatively simple story, but keep some of the facts from the audience and reveal them slowly so that they're invested in trying to figure out what the facts are rather than, I guess I'll call it the J.J. Abrams method, where you just have a bunch of really interesting questions and then try to figure out your own solution to it at the end. You, you start with, you already know what the story, the whole story is going to be, and then you'll slowly dole out the information. Right. And in terms of the mystery theater, the, the dinner theater, one of the, I guess, talents that I've developed over the years is if I have a piece of evidence that I want introduced, I can find a way to get somebody in the audience to introduce it instead of me. You, you lead, you point to the obvious and someone in the audience will say, wait a minute, wait a minute. If he wasn't there at that time, then where was he when the murder was committed? And that's exactly what I wanted to say, but I didn't want to be the one to say it. So the mystery comes from the audience too, which makes it part of the fun. I have uh, a couple of murder mystery games that are on the market now, and they're called case files. And there is a lot of material in there. So it's, it's got the one, two, three, four, five again. And if I lay this out, you'll solve the, the mystery right away. But the one, two, three, four, five are on different pieces of documents mixed in with 45 other things. So you have 45 sets of pictures, statements, police reports, so forth and so on, that you have to sort out to figure out who committed the crime, either as a group or, or as an individual, you can do this. Um, again, it's this, a, a similar approach to what I use for my mystery theater. Okay. So getting to the, the book you wrote, uh, The Number File. So you wrote that it was published in July of 1988. Uh, you had a background in writing some mystery stories at this time. How did you get involved with writing this one? Uh, Bill McKay and, and his partner from uh, Mega Books came to one of my murder mystery dinner theaters. I don't remember whether they talked to me afterwards or whether they called me later. But in any case, they liked what they saw and they said, can I put something like this together in a Hardy Boys mystery? And I grew up reading the Hardy Boys, so I knew exactly what they were talking about. And I said, sure, I'll try was this a story that you were given an outline for? Or did you create it yourself? I think I created uh, most of it myself. The idea of the um, falsified credit card or the manufacture of, of fake credit cards, which I think at the time was unusual. As far as I remember, that was just an idea that I came up with. And, and they said, yeah, go ahead, go with it. Yeah, I remember reading, actually, the first time I read this was you know in the mid-2000s, the time when identity theft was very common. Everyone knew about it, but this was a book published over 20 years ago. I know before, right. I guess now it's 30, 33 years ago at a time when identity theft wasn't. And in fact, the, the characters have to explain to the audience. It's assumed that the audience doesn't know what identity theft is. And the, the author has, or that you have to explain it through the characters. I thought that was, it was it's quite a prescient uh, story in terms of anticipating where, what crime will look like in the future. 
I thought yeah. that was pretty interesting. In terms of the the restrictions and and who the characters were and how you had to write it, uh, have, did you receive a, a guide of some kind that you had to use when crafting the story? Yeah, they gave me a, a, a guide. All that I remember from it is uh, a description of who the characters were and what they were like, and what their background was and so forth. I don't remember much uh, restrictive stuff that came in after I, after I wrote and they ch checked my writing and sent something back to me and they said, uh, we can't have this. And what, what was it that they cut out? I had a scene in which um, the two brothers were in a, uh, a cabin on a, um, on a ship with the lead girl uh, in, in the story. And one of the Hardy uh, boys, one of the Hardy brothers said, well, listen, I'll go check on something. And he leaves the room and leaves the two of them there. And when I got the report back, I was told I cannot leave the other brother in the room with the girl alone. There either have to be two brothers or someone else has to come in to make it three. So I thought that was kind of um, funny. Oh, that is that is an interesting story. How much action and, and fight scenes are involved in, in most of the mystery theater and, and stories that you write? In the mystery, we make it easy. One good shot and that's the end of the, the victim. Uh, usually the murder actually takes place at the mystery party mystery dinner. Um, sometimes it happens ahead of time. And we have warning signs outside the, the restaurant that say um, shots may be fired and caution, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, there is, and there's no, there's, there's no fighting other than the grabbing of someone or the grabbing of a gun. There are no fisticuffs. There's no real violence. There's no bad language. It's pretty clean. So the Hardy Boys, especially in the beginning of the Case File series, they really wanted to emphasize that this is an action adventure series. So they there were a lot of fight scenes. Did you find it difficult to transition to writing action scenes? <laughs> I didn't find it that difficult to write these fight scenes. Uh, and the editors found it really easy, I think, to change what I wrote because I just didn't do it very well. So, um, so it was not my forte explaining the, uh, the change of fisticuffs, uh, the exchange of fisticuffs, and the, uh, the editors did change a lot. That was where probably the area where they did the most uh, editing, my fight scenes. <clears throat> so the villain in this is named Kruger, and he's a, a World War II U-boat captain. You, you mentioned that you tried to sneak your family name in the story. One of the rules is, and I don't remember if it was a written rule or unspoken rule, you cannot mention your own name in this story because first of all, it's anonymous. So your name should appear nowhere. Um, but my father changed his name. So I'm the, the first White Hill. And I thought, well, I could put in my family name, my father's name, undetected and uh, the place it fit best was with this Mr. Kruger uh, going under a false passport. And the passport was in the name of Weisberg, which was my, my family name. So I do have 
my family name in there. And if um, Bill McKay is listening, sorry, I had to do that. They want to present all the books as being written by the same person, this fictional Franklin Dixon. So not only can you not put your name in there, they want all the books to be written in a similar style, to have a similar tone, similar author voice. Was that difficult to, to slip into that? And how did you prepare for that? Did you read any of the other books to try to get a feel for what the voice would be? I, I had read a lot of the other books already. So for me, it, uh, it, wasn't, it didn't feel that difficult. When I was doing it, I didn't know if I was doing it correctly, but I was trying to uh, be as simple in the writing of these characters as the characters I had read previously. I think it's great that the Hardy Boys continued for as many years as it did. In fact, under the <clears throat> under the Franklin W. Dixon pseudonym, if anybody looked closely, they realized the guy would be <laughs> a century old already and still writing. That's terrific. Um, so I really think it was a, a good series. Uh, I was surprised to learn that Nancy Drew was the same thing. It's the same author, the same syndicate, I should say. Um, they were very successful, and I was uh, glad to be a part of that success. I enjoyed writing it. I got paid for it. Um, what could be better? For people who are fans of, of this book, where, what's a place that they can find some other things that you've made, and what are you, what are some things that you're currently producing for fans to check out? I'm in a lucky position now uh, for maybe it's the uh, the covid-19 which is bad luck for so many people but uh, games and puzzles are selling well and for the first time in my life i have 10 products on the market right now in the us and in europe i'm living in germany right now but i'm of course from america the easiest way to to find my games is just do a Google search under my name, Bruce Whitehill, or go to my website where I have a page of uh, games and puzzles that I've uh, created. And it's uh, www.thebiggamehunter.com. Hopefully some people will check that out. I'll have to check that out too and see if there's some games on there that I can have fun with. And thank you for your time. Thank you for the interview. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Hardy Boys Unofficial Fan Podcast. Please join me next time.